Welcome to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. Yara is the global leader in crop nutrition knowledge and a producer of quality fertilizer products. Grow the future with Yara. Hello, I'm Ken Rundle. Welcome. The topic in this podcast is data, especially data linked to serial husbandry. And to discuss it, I'm joined by John Telfer, manager of Yara's Analytical Services, who's in an ideal position to reflect on the season's lab results from samples submitted by agronomists, farmers and Yara staff. John, we should explain that those samples can be of grain, of leaves and soil, depending on what you're needing to analyse. Uh, yes, we, we process many different sample types at our laboratory in Pocklington, and they tend to vary according to where we are in the crop calendar. Pre-drilling, the focus is on making a nutrient management plan. So that means plenty of soil samples. And of course, uh, analysis of organic manures, waste and compost as well that provide the first level, as it were, of supply in that crop nutrient requirement. Then in the spring, we see plenty of leaf tissue samples. And whereas not so long ago, that meant analysis to troubleshoot problems that we might observe in a developing crop. Now it's much more common for leaf tissue samples to be used to optimize nutrient management, to tailor your foliar program and to ensure we're doing all we can to safeguard yield and quality in the developing crop. And then very recently, within the last couple of months, we've been very busy analysing grain, seed and produce, which provides a kind of end of year report assessing the success or otherwise of our nutrient strategies. Well, each farmer or agronomist will want to know their own results, but you're in a position to gain a broader, wider picture of the situation across the UK. So what trends have you been picking up for this season? Well, The first thing to say is that we've received more grain samples from harvest 2022 than any previous harvest, many thousands in fact. So it's increasingly been recognised as a vital part of nutrient management. And I have to be honest and say we're still processing some of those samples and I'm still crunching through the data, but there's already a few things emerging that have caught my eye. Uh, And the first thing is that nitrogen levels or, or protein levels, if you like, are lower this year than I've ever seen before. Uh, Average nitrogen in wheat grain samples this year being about 7% lower than the longer term average. And in terms of protein, that's about 0.5 to 0.7% deficit. And I think this reflects the season we've had where ideal conditions during grain fill period meant yields were maintained, which is great. But then, of course, we have a degree of dilution due to lower than usual nitrogen applications. So it's undoubtedly been a challenge for some, I would say, to hit um, protein targets and to to get that all-important premium. Um, Nitrogen-sulfur ratios continue to be within the optimum, which is great. That compares very favorably with the picture maybe a decade or so ago when most samples demonstrated a sulfur deficit. So that's a really good example of a sound message on the need for sulfur being successfully carried through onto on-farm fertilizer practice. But the newest one to keep an eye on when it comes to grain is the phosphorus content. And recent research has demonstrated there's a, a definite link between phosphorus content in the grain and the likelihood that a yield response could have been achieved with fresh phosphate application. And there's a new guideline in place for this, and you'll find it in RB209, and that guideline is 0.32% phosphorus in the grain to indicate sufficiency or, of course, deficiency if you're the wrong side of that threshold. And again, as with nitrogen, this season's levels are lower than I've ever seen before. 
And again, I would say this is reflective of a challenging season weather-wise with a lack of moisture that has impacted on nutrient uptake. And maybe there's been a hesitation to use, um, you know, P and K inputs. And also remember that phosphorus mobility and availability is challenging at the very best of times. And I think that was covered by my colleagues, Ollie Walton and Natalie Wood in a podcast earlier this year. So delivery of fresh available phosphorus in the spring via MPKs or foliar products could really pay dividends. And that's what the grain data is showing us. So a, a quick look at a few opportunities to manage key nutrients through grain analysis. But of course, we also feed back on the report information on secondary and micronutrients as well, as well as providing what I think is a really useful offtake report. Um, so if you've still got a bit of grain in the shed, maybe something for you to consider this year or, or keep it in the back of your mind for next. And is it an oversimplification to say another thing to bear in mind is that whatever you're testing in the grain very often reflects what's leaving the field. Uh, you've meant, uh, and, and therefore, you've got to consider again for the following season what, what's going back into the soil. Oh, you're right, Ken, definitely. Um, but, you know, we should definitely consider what nutrients have been carted off the field you know, be it in the grain, in the seed, in produce or in forage, because in essence, that's what we're doing. We're converting fertilizer, either synthetic fertilizer or organic fertilizer into products, seed, grain, and then we're removing it. And we should ensure that we consider the need to replace what we remove. Um, you know, I've said it before when we've talked that it's no good growing high yielding crops today on tomorrow's fertility. And we should remember that soil has to be passed on to the next generation. But just looking at that grain analysis alone will not provide enough of a picture to enable us to manage nutrition to our very best ability. Um, I would say it'd be a bit like having a, a car factory and just counting the number of cars coming off the end of the production line without ensuring sufficient parts and raw materials have been delivered to the beginning and without conducting any checks on quality and efficiency along the way. So we can't abandon pre-season soil testing and we should make full use of mid-season tissue testing as well. That's the, the point I was going to pick up on. How do you recommend that all these tests be best used, combined together, as it were? Because as you've alluded to, to already, it's important. They're all part of one picture. Well, I see it just the same as when we study a process flow here in the laboratory, when we're looking for improvements. It's a circular approach. We plan, we act, we check, we review, and the findings from that review identify opportunities for improvement that we feed back into the next process plan. Um, so it's really important we start to link analysis and the data we accrue across the crop calendar. And the more data we generate, so that means going beyond a basic soil test and looking at all crop nutrients, not just P and K, um, maybe get an accurate sand silk clay and textural information analysis as well. Look not only at organic matter, but also biological activity and populations. The more data we get, the more shortfalls, deficiencies, and therefore opportunities we can identify. And then from day one, the plan is your plan. And it's based on your needs, your requirements. And it's not just pulled from a standard program or just a repeat of what's gone before. But even with the best plan in the world, of course, there's still conditions that will impact on the delivery of nutrients to a growing crop. That can be the weather, soil temperature, um, water availability, or as with this season, lack of it, disease, weed pressure, soil acidity, compaction, antagonisms, and so on, all sorts of things. 
So the growing crop can be developing a nutrient deficiency. And if it gets chronic, it will express itself as deficiency symptoms and we'll see it. But before we get to this stage of a visual symptom, productivity and yield potential are already being lost as that crop has been affected during a phase of hidden hunger. And the only way to reliably identify this hidden hunger is through tissue testing. So a targeted tailored nutrition response that reacts to timely tissue testing will ensure you only put and apply the nutrition you need. And please, 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 a personal request, always give us growth stage information with tissue analysis so we can interpret results in the best possible manner. And, and when it comes to tissue testing, try and coordinate it with your spray program. So as tea timings approach, think ahead, get that sample, get it to the lab, get the results and react to them. And then, of course, when in doing so, you can take advantage of things like the Yara Tank Mix online tool, and that will check the compatibility of your selected Yara Vita foliar selection and, and common plant protection products. So when a farmer is getting the testing program and tying it in with the cropping plan, have you any advice on exactly how much of the farm should be tested, how they should go about deciding where to test? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Can. In essence, it's, it's now made quite simple for us because soil testing now is very much a shall do and it's not a should do. And there's certainly legislation in England covering the prevention of, of diffuse pollution. And that stipulates a soil test has to be undertaken once every five years. So the simplest way to cover yourself here is, is do at least 20% of the farm each and every year. And, and don't forget that test. Yes, it covers the basics. And we must also consider nitrogen requirement. But you must compile that into an appropriate nutrient management plan. So once every five years, that's your starting point. But on top of that, there's now a requirement to monitor organic matter levels if you want to enter ELM schemes. And for the higher tiers, we'll be expecting much more comprehensive requirements such as texture and biological activity. If we go north of the border into Scotland, we have recently had the Preparing for Sustainable Farming policy published. And there there's a requirement for pH, P, K and organic carbon to be tested. And in Wales, pilots are imminent, I believe, for their sustainable farming scheme coming in 2025. And the proposals there are for soil testing to cover NPK carbon, pH, soil biology, and some form of soil structural assessment. So there's a, a lot of ambition there. So, um, so we can look to legislation, but it's something we should be doing, not necessarily something we shall be doing. And fundamentally, the long and short of it now is a, a basic soil test will no longer cut the mustard. And the key thing there, as far as farmers are concerned, is if they have to do it anyway, they've got to make use of the data. There's no point in not using the data and not using it to their advantage. 100%, 100%. You know, despite we're talking about legislation and, 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 and what we must do and should do, we shouldn't see soil testing simply as a box ticking exercise. We failed if we do that. You know, we should act upon the information that the report shows you. We should address and correct any deficiencies and shortfalls because they can be genuinely yield robbing and and the you know and the plentiful, the numerous, the they exist. Um, PARG data. So PARG is the group of UK agricultural analysis laboratories, and and their data shows that around one in four samples from UK arable systems and an incredible one in three soil samples from grassland are deficient in phosphorus. Potassium deficiency is identified on almost half of the grassland soils we see. 
And these are truly yield robin deficiencies. Indeed, only one in 10 soils is on target for both phosphorus and potassium. So I guarantee you, I guarantee you, Ken, that on almost every soil report we send out from the lab, there's an opportunity to improve nutrient management. And, and of course, we shouldn't just think about deficiencies. It's also important to identify excessive levels as well when inputs may not be required at all, um, where there may be nutrient antagonisms occurring. And of course, where if left unchecked, these excesses could be damaging to the environment. Um, another low hanging fruit, in my opinion, is soil pH. An incredible 60% of all samples tested are below an optimum of 6.5. And indeed, the average UK pH over the two decades that PARG has been collecting data has dropped by 0.4 pH units, and that continues to decline. So to me, this is pretty fundamental stuff, the absolute basics of soil nutrient management, P, K, and lime. Um, but I'll, I'll get off my soapbox now. The point I'm trying to make is that you will not get full value from your soil testing if you look at the results in isolation, but only if you plot results over time and look for trends in the data. You have to know if you're making improvements or whether some form of system change is required to halt depletion in the fertility of your soils. Um, and one of the very first indicators when it comes to change that we've seen is soil biology. And biological populations will recover very quickly if we ensure the right conditions are in place. Biology will respond rapidly to effective liming, uh, the remediation of compaction, improving drainage to fresh organic inputs, use of cover crops and so on. So in essence, the biology is a bit like the canary in the mine. We can't see it, but it will tell us very early if things are going awry. So keeping an eye on biology is important, but overall be on the lookout for change. Look at how your analysis, how your soil health is moving and changing over time. Well, that's one area that a new area, if you like, or that's suddenly going to become the key, one of the key focuses. Is there anything else in the pipeline or the, on the horizon you can see in the future that we that either because of the capability of uh, sensors or because of technology or chemistry, we're going to be able to do in the future? You think we can't necessarily do at the moment, but may come late, come around the corner? Um, yeah, I think you, you, you kind of like you said it really there, Ken, soil testing as soil management is becoming more holistic, it's becoming more rounded. And the traditional focus we've had on, on soil chemistry is giving way to looking at the bigger picture of overall soil health. Um, and, you know, we need to respond to this change in demand. And the analytical services here at Yara have invested heavily in instrumentation to test parameters like soil organic carbon fractions, aggregate stability, microbial activity, amino nitrogen, and so on. Um, but I'm sure there'll be more to come in the future as our knowledge of soil health grows and also as legislation, environmental management schemes and, and indeed supply chain stakeholders all encourage us to ensure we move towards a, a nature positive food future. So I'm sure infield handheld probes, more capable machinery mounted sensors and improved use of satellite imagery are all on the way. But one of the things we're doing right now is helping advisors, helping farmers manage their analysis data in a more coherent fashion. Uh, and that's come with the very recent launch of our new cloud-based Megalab portal, which will allow 
all analysis data to be organized on a farm-by-farm, field-by-field basis so we can finally track nutrient use and need throughout the crop calendar by truly linking our soil, our leaf and our grain data, and also by plotting those important trends to reassure ourselves we're traveling in the right direction and leaving the soils in a good state for the future. Uh, and if anyone would like to know more about this new Megalab tool, just please get in touch with us. Well, you've been very wide ranging. We're just about finished, John. Are there any key points you want folk to remember from this? You've covered a whole range of things, some key, very important points. What would be the bullet points as far as you're concerned? Um, I think, firstly, it does not matter where we are in the year. Analysis can assist you in your nutrient management, whether we're using soil testing to plan, leaf testing to monitor, and grain testing to review, there's always an opportunity to do something and every single report will reveal an opportunity to make changes. Secondly, please, 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 I've said this before, look beyond the basics that legislation is asking of us. So that means using broad spectrum analysis, monitor your soil biology, and don't just rely on book values for things like organic wastes and nutrient offtake. In essence, you can use analysis to compile your very own bespoke RB209 just for you. And finally, don't do analysis just because you have to. Every single report that leaves our lab, and that's hundreds of thousands every year, contain many, many opportunities for you to make improvements. If that report goes in the drawer and then never comes out again, so much value is being lost. And if you're not sure where to start, please drop us a line, give us a call. All our contact details can be found on the REUK website. John Telfer, thank you very much. And I know you and your colleagues at Yara Analytical Services are not only too happy to advise on anything else to do with testing. But that's all for now. Join me, Ken Rundle, in a couple of weeks' time for another podcast, this time dealing with potatoes and some interesting trials results. Speak to you then. Thanks for listening to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. For more information, visit yara.co.uk or yara.ie.